Hello and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. I'm Natalie Britt and I'm a coach, trainer and hypnotherapist. But more importantly, I am an adoptive mum trying to do her best by her kids and just trying to be the best mum I can be and the best person that I can be. And that's really what started this podcast. The podcast has three main goals and those are one, to help us feel in control, two, to help us weather the tough stuff, and three, to be great role models for our kids, mainly in those two areas, really, and our ability to live lives we feel happy with. For those of you who are regular listeners, the last time you heard my voice, I promised you that the next episode would be out on the 25th of August. It is not the 25th of August. We're in the second week of October as I record this. So I'm really sorry for that. I will explain what happened. And it's all down to things kind of getting on top of me and me being so judgmental with myself that things got worse before they got better. So this episode very much fits into managing the tough stuff because my recent experience taught me a little bit more about some of the ways to do that. I'll share a little bit about that with you and also, if you are feeling the same, share with you a little bit about how I am turning it around and how I will continue to turn it around in case those things help you. Here we go. So the last episode I recorded was all about intentional living and making the holidays memorable and fun for everybody. And I wish I could say that I did that really, really well. But unfortunately, it all just got on top of me. And what ended up happening was I started to feel like a fraud and a fake. And that voice inside my head, you know, the one that tells you how crap you are and how pathetic you are and how you don't deserve your place in the world, that voice. Well, that voice took center stage and things gradually got worse. And it Weirdly, it was largely because of the podcast that I'd recorded where I was like, you know, do this, do that. And then that voice was just going, well, you're not doing it. Who the hell do you think you are? How dare you tell people to do these things? And then you basically end up being the world's worst parent. So yeah, not the most motivating of self-talk, got to say. And again, you know, I'm a mindset coach. I know how to do this. But I often think that knowledge is one of the things that instead of it being power, we always talk about that knowledge is power, but sometimes we treat it as punishment. We use knowledge to beat ourselves up and make ourselves feel worse because that gives us ammunition for the things we should be doing. But ultimately, if we're not doing it, then something else is going on. It's not a lack of knowledge. It's something else. And that's what we have to figure out and help ourselves to overcome. In my case, over the summer holidays, I didn't do that. Instead, I spent more and more time beating myself up and I got stuck in a really very negative cycle. And over time, actually ended up feeling the way I felt in those early days of the adoption, that point I've described in earlier episodes as being my rock bottom the point at which I couldn't imagine feeling any lower, where I stopped feeling like I even wanted to smile. I stopped feeling connected to who I am. I stopped feeling connected to my kids and my husband. I I felt disconnected from everything. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't really want to get out of bed. 
And those are all things we understand as fitting under the heading of depression. And yes, I would describe myself as being depressed. And it stayed that way for several weeks. Fortunately, because of a lot of the things I know to do and how I can manage my way through that, in many ways, my children were unaware that that's how I felt because I was still able to function and I was still able to do a lot of the things that we would normally do as a family over the holiday period. But like I say, I really did feel completely disconnected from the enjoyment of those things. And so I was going through the motions and kind of faking it so that they wouldn't notice and that they would still have a good time. But the thing that made it worse, so much worse, was that critical voice, that judgment that just kept coming and kept coming. And so eventually, in the mornings when I would wake up, that voice would start and I would lie in my bed. I didn't get up and exercise and I didn't read and fill my head with things that I found inspirational and helpful. And I didn't always make my vegetable juice so that I could nourish my body. And I didn't always write in my journal or think about things that I'm grateful for or produce any content or check in with clients and see how they're doing. I just let everything go. And in their place, I reintroduced old, unhelpful habits. I ate more junk food, I watched more TV, and I drank more wine and G&Ts. Not massive amounts and not every night, but enough that I was aware that I was in potentially dangerous territory and that it wasn't about enjoying a nice glass of wine with friends, it was more about medicating my emotions with a glass of wine. And because those things are things I associate with a previous version of myself, a version of myself that I feel I have evolved beyond and learned from, I also then in the background had that critical voice going because I knew that those habits weren't going to serve me well. So basically at all points of the day, I was either completely numb and disconnected or full of self-loathing and judgment. And I mean, it doesn't take a genius to work out that that's going to leave you feeling worse. So it progressed and it progressed and it progressed. The kids finished the holidays, went back to school, and I didn't actually feel any better. I got my time back. I had opportunities to work and I didn't do it because I'd come and sit in front of the microphone and that voice would go, pathetic. What are you going to say? Really? So you're going to lie to them, are you? You're going to tell them that everything's fine. You're going to tell them how to live their lives so they're happy. Well, that's great. How about you start taking some of your own advice here? Hmm? Genius? Honestly, sometimes it amazes me how horrible our self-talk is, how nasty we are to ourselves. And then while this was all going on, I was also invited to give a talk at a corporate wellness day, a talk on happiness and the habits that help promote it. And it's something I was asked to do months ago. It's been in my diary for a long time. And I have been really excited about it. I was really looking forward to working with this group of people and sharing some amazing things with them. But on the day when I actually went, I was feeling the way I've described to you. I was completely disconnected. I was really struggling to do the things that I was talking to them about. And I just talked at them for an hour in the hope that they wouldn't notice that I was flailing and that I was so full of self-doubt 
and self-loathing. I couldn't think straight and I couldn't enjoy the incredible opportunity of having this experience in the first place. And when I went home after that day, although the feedback was very good and the session went well, I went so much further down and that voice got so much nastier and so much more critical. But actually, I now realize that that experience was a really timely and important and lovely reminder of how quickly things can spiral downward when we plague ourselves with self-judgment rather than something more compassionate or more helpful. And when we fail to see that there's no such thing as being fixed or broken, that these things just kind of happen in layers. Uh, I can't really say that without thinking about Shrek and Donkey and their conversation. And parfait got layers. Everybody love parfait. But I think, I really do think that these things do happen over a period of time and how you can feel like everything is together and you've got it all sorted and then months or years later something will happen and you'll be right back where you started and you'll think there's something wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with you it's just that you've reached another point in your development and that was the thing that I failed to see and I think what this experience was my lesson for. And so as a result of this experience, my thinking has evolved to see that every time life shifts in some way or we encounter challenges that have just thrown at us or we take on challenges out of our own choice, every time there are hormonal changes, emotional changes, or just things that trigger us in some way, we will encounter another layer and therefore could end up feeling as bad as we did before, despite all the work we've done and despite all the things we've learned. And even that is still okay. And that's really where this episode is coming from. Because when I started talking to my own coach and I started thinking about myself as my own client, which was one of the things she encouraged me to do, and started thinking about how I would look at this situation from the outside, what resources I would offer, how I would help myself if I was my client through this. And I started thinking about all the ways that I would encourage my client to be gentler with herself, more accepting, more compassionate, and to take an opportunity to step back and recognize that our emotions are always telling us something and the more we try and ignore them the louder they get and the more insistent they become and not only had I ignored my emotions and tried to numb them out I'd actually judged them as being wrong in some way ironically because I was so desperate to make sure everyone was having a good time and to make like everything was all right but actually these are the moments where that old cliche about putting your own oxygen mask on first really apply. But Netflix and wine and chocolate don't put an oxygen mask on. In fact, it works quite well to think about that analogy. If you think about the plane in an emergency situation, and the first thing that you need to do is put your own oxygen mask on, if instead you went, actually, I'm just going to finish my wine and this little bag of peanuts, and I'm going to finish watching the in-flight entertainment, and then I'll sort myself out. That's the same thing. It's entertaining, but it doesn't deal with the emergency. And our emotions, when they are spiraling out of control, are basically our bodies and minds way of saying, there is an emergency here. I need your attention. There's something going on. 
And of course, it's ludicrous to think about somebody sitting on a plane eating a bag of peanuts when there's an emergency. But emotionally, that is kind of what we do. And it's certainly what I did. And because of that, things had to get worse before they started to get better. So where it ended up was actually a school day. My husband, for the first time, went back into London. So it's been over 18 months since he last had to travel into the office. And for the very first time in a long time, the kids and I were on our own for the morning routine. All pretty much fine for my daughter, but my son is still only six and he still needs quite a lot of one-to-one time and help in the morning. A couple of days before that, when I went to pick him up, his teacher had called me over and said she wanted to have a word and um, had told me that he is behind the others in his ability to dress himself and could we please make sure that we do more to help him so that he can do his own buttons and things like that because at this age, you know, they should be able to do it. There's that word, should. So normally my husband helps him get dressed in the mornings, but of course on that morning I was doing it and he just wouldn't do his buttons. He wouldn't even try. And I tried so many different things. If you're a parent, you know, you know the list. You try coaxing and you try pleading and you try bribing and you try begging and you try telling and you try shouting and you try millions and millions of millions of different things. And still the child just will not do it. But when it comes to things like this, I really do try hard to let the consequences do the work. So I said to him, look, if you don't want to do it, that's okay. What we'll do is I'll put a note in your reading book um, so that your teacher knows that we tried and that you weren't up to it today and that we'll try again another day, at least so that she knows that we are working on it. Subtext? I don't want her to think I'm a bad mom. And he absolutely was beside himself at the possibility that his teacher was going to know that he had said no. I said, well, then let's try. No. Well, then let me write the note. No. And we got stuck in the cycle. And eventually I picked up a pencil and I started writing. And he went ballistic. But of course, by this point, I've tried lots of other different things too. And I'm also like, I'm at my wits end. So... It escalated so dramatically that I ended up shouting at him. I mean, shouting is probably the wrong word, roaring at him as I banged this book on my desk. And he just crumpled and sobbed his heart out. Mommy, you're terrifying me. And even then, I, I didn't immediately kind of realign. You know how sometimes when you see it in them and you see yourself through their eyes and you immediately course correct, I was so disconnected that even then I didn't. I said, you know what? I'm going to wait in the car. Come out when you're ready. And I stormed off and left him. I could hear him from outside. I could hear him sobbing his heart out inside and asking me, begging me to come back. So fortunately, at some point, my mind and empathy came back online and I did actually go back into the house and we sat together and we hugged and he clung to me and cried and cried and cried. That morning he was still crying by the time I took him to school. I carried him in that day. I carried him from the car because he was limp and weak and desperate to just spend the whole rest of the day with me. And he just kept crying. I'm going to miss you so much, mommy, please. Can I stay with you today, please? And I tried to comfort him 
all the while thinking, you did this to him. You got him into this state and desperately trying to hold it together because I felt so much shame that I knew the second I walked away from him, I was going to collapse and just sob my heart out. So I'm just thinking, hold it together, hold it together. You just need to get him in the gate, hold it together before you break down. Because if he sees you, then this day (laughs) is finished. Like the both of you are just going to cry. And I managed to get him to go into school. And normally on a day like that, I would watch from outside the gates because we're not allowed in just to make sure that he's okay. But I couldn't hold together for a single second. I just broke. I absolutely broke and just started sobbing at the gates. I cried all the way home. I cried all the rest of the day. I didn't manage to achieve anything. I just cried and thought about how awful it was that that venomous creature, that horrible, self-critical, nasty, judgmental creature with its claws and its teeth that had been berating me and allowing me to keep fueling that disconnection had managed to come out of me and attack my son. And that that creature is me. That's a creature of my own making. And that day got me thinking about a video that I had seen on Mind Valley where Vishen Lakiyami is talking about a situation where you're walking down a hallway and you're carrying a cup of coffee and someone bumps into you and you spill the coffee. And then he says, so what caused you to spill the coffee? And of course, the response would be, well, the person who bumped into me. And he goes, no, you spilled coffee because you were carrying coffee. If you'd have been carrying tea, you'd have spilled tea. If you were carrying water, you'd have spilled water. You spill what you're carrying. And that was when it finally hit me that what I was carrying inside of myself wasn't just damaging me. It was going to damage my relationships. It was going to continue to grow in strength and it was going to continue to take everything around it down if I didn't find a way to carry something else. And I knew that if I wanted to deal with my son with patience and compassion, then what I had to recultivate within myself was patience and compassion. Because for whatever reason, at this new layer, those things were eluding me. And so I decided to go in search of a particular source of information and a source of inspiration and healing that I am drawn to when I feel this dark and terrible. And it's a lady called Sarah Blondin. She has loads of content on an app called Insight Timer. And I found a recording called Our Warring Self Versus Our Infinite Self. And the description of the warring self was so on point. And it had the claws and the teeth and the darkness and the viciousness and the venom. And then she went on to talk about loving it and listening to it and paying attention to it and recognizing that it's part of us and that it has something to say. And that if we can allow ourselves to be still and be quiet and be gentle and to quiet the judgment and the fear that goes alongside that critical voice and that warring self, that often that's the gateway into the light and 
freedom from those feelings. And it suddenly hit me. This image came to me from a movie called Moana as to where I had been and what I needed to do. And it was, there's a part in the movie where Moana and Maui are trying to return the heart of Tefiti. And they arrive at the kind of final destination where they have to do this thing and give the heart back. And there's this volcano monster there and it's all sort of dark browns and blacks with fiery eyes and a fiery mouth, like it's being lit from the inside by fire. And it's got teeth and claws and it attacks both of them. And Maui, who's this demigod who's trying to attack back and trying to beat this thing into submission, is overpowered and can't do it. And then Moana stands in the sort of parted sea, this young girl, and stands there and starts singing. And while she's singing, this thing is advancing towards her, but she stands her ground and she just keeps singing. And she sings about understanding the monster's pain and really seeing through it. How she's traveled this really long distance to find Tefiti and how the heart was stolen and how that has left Tefiti feeling and the damage that it's caused, but how that's not who she is. And she needs to remember who she is. And this whole song plays and this thing comes to a halt in front of her. And they just quietly touch heads together. And it's this really powerful moment. It's a Disney film, but honestly, it sends me into floods of tears because that moment is a metaphor, I think, for so many of us who fight ourselves so hard and judge ourselves so harshly. But ultimately, when we can let go and be compassionate with ourselves, that that thing does come to a halt because it takes fear and running and anger and resentment and fighting back. It takes those things to keep that thing in motion. If we keep fighting those feelings, they keep fighting harder to be heard and we keep spiraling down. So that was the beginning of the end of the spiral for me. That was the day I started turning things around and it wasn't instant. There were many days where I'd spiral a little bit up and then I'd spiral a little bit back down again and I'd spiral a little bit up and I'd spiral a little bit back down again. And I had to keep reminding myself to pay attention to what I was doing to keep the spiral going in whatever direction. And so it's that kind of more practical side that I want to share with you now in case you're in that space and this is of use to you. The first thing to know is that there are multiple avenues to explore that can help you to begin to feel better. Sometimes physical things can work better and sometimes mental things work better. So getting outside, being in nature, having some quiet time, writing, any of those sorts of activities can help. And depending on what you're drawn to, it can be useful just to pick something. But before you even go down that road, the first thing to do is ask yourself, if I assume that these feelings are valuable, useful, what is this experience teaching me or showing me? 
how do I learn the lessons I need to learn? How do I grow in the ways I need to grow in order to handle whatever it is that I'm facing right now? And then possibly take some time to write or just sit quietly, maybe even meditate on it and allow thoughts to rise and pictures to form and let them go and wash away and allow others to rise. Just whatever method suits you to allow a little bit of introspection, to make that a process that is filled with curiosity and interest and empathy for yourself, compassion. All the other things I've spoken about in the past with, you know, exercise and source material and all of those things, they are incredibly helpful and they definitely do make a difference. But when you're in the throes of self-judgment and when that is the engine that is driving you downwards, then it's that part that needs healing or attention first. Otherwise, you can do all those things, but ultimately the thing holding the pattern in place is still there and can still rise at any time. And if I'm completely honest, I think this will rise in me again at some later stage when I hit another layer. Because you don't just automatically go from self-judgment to self-acceptance overnight. And I know that I have a lot of work to do in this area. But again, if we stop thinking about it as a kind of one and done, I'm fixed now type thing and start recognizing the lessons we have to carry and the things we have to return to repeatedly as life throws us around, then I think we stand a better chance. So the main things that we have to do are, first of all, stop fighting, start listening be compassionate. If this experience is beneficial, how is it meant to be beneficial? How will you take something that belongs to you forward in a helpful way? And usually what you find is that those feelings of dissatisfaction are paralleled with things you want. But when we're focused on or trying to numb out the judgment, then we focus on the things we don't want. Our attention goes there. When we can listen and kind of create a sense of ease around those uncomfortable feelings, we can see behind them to the ways in which they're signposting to the things we actually do want. So where we feel disconnected from our relationships or where we feel disconnected from ourselves, what is it that we need in order to feel connected again? And then we can start the process of helping ourselves towards those things. In those situations, coaching and therapy can then help you take those next steps, but there are also lots of different ways that you can take those steps alone. I often find things like webinars and different free courses and various things that I found online, books. There's so much amazing material out there that can help you figure out how to reconnect with the things that matter to you once you identify what they are, but that first step is the vital one. And so that's where I'm going to leave it today, because a lot of the other things we've spoken about before, I will record an episode of do's and don'ts when it comes to managing or minimizing the effects of depression for those of us who experience it on a kind of on and off basis and have not yet or don't wish to medicate. And in the meantime, if this has brought up issues for you or has made you think, actually, I need help with managing my own situation with compassion and curiosity, then do feel free to reach out and you can email me at natalie at bighappylife.co.uk. If you found this episode helpful, you know somebody who might benefit from listening, please do share it. It's always a massive help. And if you like the podcast, naturally, I would love it if you would subscribe and leave a review. If not, 
well, what the hell are you still doing here? Switch this off and go listen to something else. Life is short. You've got other things to do. Either way, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.